Um, so here's where we are going. We are going here, the coming temple, 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, verses 1 through 4, and this is what the Bible says. You ready? Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. This is speaking of, listen, don't worry, the rapture hasn't taken place yet, First Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5. The day, has, the day of the Lord hasn't come yet. There's a falling away that comes first. I believe that's speaking of an apostasy of people leaving the truth of the gospel. They might still go to church, but they're not believing the truth of it anymore. And then he says, and the coming of the son of, uh, the man of sin, the son of perdition. That is the Antichrist. Only two people are called the son of perdition in the Bible, the Antichrist and Judas. That's it. Right? This speaking of the Antichrist. And this is what he does, verse 4. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What does this tell us? It tells us that there is going to be a temple, it will be in Jerusalem, and the Antichrist is going to sit there. It's pretty straightforward, right? So we can know the temple is coming. We know from various passages that a temple is coming. But in that, when, when we think of the temple, I want to put it into the proper context for you before we get going. It's not going to be a long message tonight, by the way, but it's going to be a great time. Um, I want to put it in proper context. There are 108 Bible prophecies of the first coming of Christ. Some say over 300. I'll stick with the conservative number of 108. Joel Rosenberg says there are eight times as many prophecies of the second coming of Christ as of his first. That would put us well over 800 prophecies regarding the second coming of Christ. Everything regarding the second coming of Christ, all of the signs in the Bible, seem to be in a place where they look like they are going to happen at any time. Uh, there's uh, natural disasters that are part of the signs uh, that will increase like birth pains, upon a pregnant woman. There's wars and rumors of wars. We live in a time when the wars and rumors of wars are so extreme that now the concern is of nuclear war breaking out in various parts of the world all at the same time. That's never happened before like it has now. So you start looking at these things. These are things that Jesus said, but the, but the real uh, way to tell the proper timetable or the time in which we live in, if we're in the times of the second coming of Christ, are primarily, are the Jews returning to the land of Israel? Has the land of Israel um, been established as a nation a second time? Yes and yes to both of those questions. 1948, right, UN, Israel nation. Again, the Jews returning to Israel, again, from the four corners of the earth. And then the most telling sign of all those things is that there will be a temple, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and various passages, there will be a temple during the last days that will be built again in Jerusalem and the Antichrist will sit there. So when you take the earthquakes, you take the famines, you take the rumors of wars and everything, those have always been, those don't really matter in that sense unless 
Israel's a nation, the Jews are gathered back together again, and there's going to be a temple that's going to be built. So that's how we can know. I'm telling you, folks, by the time we're done here in the next 25 minutes, I think you're going to think like me, we better be ready. Jesus could be coming at any moment. So you guys ready? Okay, I I don't have a lot of questions tonight with with answers, but let's get going. The first question to help us understand the things about this coming temple is this, how soon can the temple be built or rebuilt? Well, now I'm going to put it in the proper time frame. Uh, One of the things that some say is necessary for the next temple to be built in Jerusalem is the reestablishment of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was eliminated in 70 AD when Titus came into Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem, and it was the beginning of the great diaspora, and then that was finished in 135 AD by Hadrian. However, there is a Sanhedrin that exists again. It's known as the Nascent Sanhedrin or the Developing Sanhedrin. And one of the new Sanhedrin's first actions was to call for the construction of the components of a prefabricated temple. That's what Yossi was talking about. I've seen the plans, I've seen this, I've seen that. A prefabricated temple. Think of tilt-up buildings, right? That type of thing. Think of modulars. So, uh, and the, the uh, technology is there, the brains are there, and the, the, the plans are, they're, they're, they're done to build the temple, and with a prefabricated model, or all the parts being prefabricated, once the green light is given to build the temple, and there's the security to do it, I am telling you right now, that temple is going to be built super fast. If you watch the State of the Union address in uh, uh, the United States last week, Donald Trump said, you know, we're not going to have 10 years to build a road anymore. We're not going to, we're going to cut through all this red tape and all this, this garbage. You try to build anything, especially in the state of California, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg and you may never even get it built, right? In Israel, they don't have that problem. They say, we're going to build a road. They build the road. That's how it works. When this temple, the green light is given to build this temple, this temple is going to be uh, built. Uh, the new web, or, or the website of the current Sanhedrin says, the current attempt to reestablish the Sanhedrin is generally referred to as the nascent or the developing Sanhedrin. This is because the prevailing opinion of the senior members of the Sanhedrin is that the Sanhedrin has not yet achieved its Jewish legal status on par with its previous position from 70 AD. However, it does have the full authority of a rabbinical court. Um, This new Sanhedrin has been holding ceremonial recreations of the temple service, not slaughtering animals. However, they are doing many other things that are required in the Talmud, and they're not done for present religious practices. The reason why the Sanhedrin is making sure these things are carried out is for a future temple. Not for the current practice, not for the current feast days, but for what is coming, what they believe is coming. I'm going to show you this. This is a picture of a train that is about ready to run. I'm going to give you details in a few more minutes on this. This is off the charts. This train is going to be running from the Ben Gurion Airport all the way to Jerusalem. And its number one purpose, I don't know if it will be advertised week one, its number one purpose is this, is to get people to Jerusalem 
to worship at the temple that's going to be built. Now wait till you see this and wait till you find out how soon this is coming. Okay, let's move on. You ready? A couple more minutes before we get there. Second question. Why is it important to the Jews to have their temple built again? Reestablishing the Sanhedrin, the temple sacrifice and, all, and so forth are important to the Jews because without them, the Jews cannot fully practice Judaism. If we go back to the days of in Exodus, before the temple is built, but when uh, you got to have the Levites and the priests leading the worship of the temple, the Bible tells us this. This is God speaking, Exodus chapter 40. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle. So the tabernacle is not the same as the temple. The tabernacle was the um, portable temple, so to speak, before a, 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 a permanent temple was built in Jerusalem. So you have the tabernacle of meeting, and, and you're going to wash them with water. So speaking of the ceremonies, right? You shall put the holy garments on Aaron. So speaking of the clothing that the priests were to wear. Aaron's the first one, and then his sons, and so forth, of the lineage. And anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me. This is God saying as a priest, right? You following that? And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father, that they may minister to me as priests, for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Okay, everlasting, right? That ended 70 AD. So, but now we have the Sanhedrin again. And, and, and now, so you look at this, this is the way it's supposed to be, uh, worshiping the Lord. Professor Hillel Weiss, a spokesman and secretary of the Sanhedrin, the current uh, nascent Sanhedrin, put it in perspective when he said, for 2,000 years we practiced Judaism a certain way. Even though we are in Israel, the Torah and the mitzvot are still in Galut, or the diaspora. They are, uh, there are many practical things we could do, and in truth should do, to make Jerusalem richer and more like it was in the times of the temple. So we've got to get there. And uh, one of the things that is taking place is, is, uh, is the uh, preparing people for that priesthood. Remember that passage in Exodus said, for an everlasting priesthood, right? So it's, look, we've got to get back to that everlasting priesthood. God said it was an everlasting priesthood. But when, when you look at this and the pursuit to build the temple, again, 2 Thessalonians lets us know there must be a temple because the Antichrist is going to go in there and demand that he be worshipped as God and desecrate the temple, right? Are the Jews in Israel making any progress to fulfilling their dream of worshiping at the temple? I would say uh, Yes, they are. In fact, you can go to the Temple Institute website, or if you have the opportunity to go to Jerusalem, check out the Temple Institute. It's pretty cool. You'll see things like this. You have the copper laver that's necessary. Again, you can go to their website and see what they have built. Pretty much all of the instruments necessary to begin the sacrifices and the worshiping of the temple are ready. It appears the only thing that's, that they're waiting for is a red heifer, and I read some reports say, well, they actually believe they've discovered the red heifer. That and the Ark of the Covenant, although the Ark of the Covenant isn't necessary, I have some friends that believe, they say they know where the Ark of the Covenant is. The oil pitcher, the menorah, uh, the copper meal offering vessel. Uh, here's the last one I'll show you for right now. 
a vessel for cleaning the menorah. So you have these, so that the instruments are ready. Uh, they, uh, the, the, the design of the temple is ready. The, the, the prefabricated walls to go up. I don't know if they are ready yet. Some people tell me they are. Some people say the plans are there and they are just ready to pour the concrete or whatever they need to do to make this temple work. But whatever it is, things are moving along. And then, and then we add to this. Check this out. This is in the New York Times. Uh, some time ago, they said this, reported this. Again, think of the passage in Exodus where God says, you'll be an everlasting priesthood to me. It'll be everlasting, right? So Aaron, his sons, his grandsons, on down the history of the Jews, right? New York Times, in an unusual uh, marriage of science and religion, researchers have found biological evidence in support of an ancient belief. Certain Jewish men, thought to be descendants of the first high priest Aaron, the older brother of Moses, share distinctive genetic traits suggesting that they may indeed be members of a single lineage that has endured for thousands of years. Right? Now, now remember, what did Exodus say? An everlasting priesthood. It's going to start again. And the Jews know it's going to start again. Another group of scholars wrote, it has been known for over a decade that a majority of men who self-report as members of the Jewish priesthood, Kahonim, carry a characteristic Y chromosome haplotype termed the Cohen modal haplotype. Uh, in fact, I've heard that when you run into a Jewish person with the last name of Cohen or a derivative of Cohen, they're encouraged to have their DNA checked to see if they are descendant of Aaron, if they're a male, could they possibly serve in the uh, coming temple? So you look at this, and, and um, not only are they finding priests and genetically confirming their heritage, uh, there are many that are in training right now for the future of the temple. You can see this. This is a modern picture. Uh, it's hard to tell on these screens, but there are people up at the top, probably Gentiles and some Jews mixed together, looking down on these priests that are in training or, or carrying out uh, um, uh, an example of what it was like in the, the old days of the temple. And this is actually inside the Temple Institute. In fact, when you go in the Temple Institute, you probably won't see these, these men who are being trained as priests. You might, but you will see this, this uh, ramp that's going up and the different instruments that are ready. I'm telling you right now, these instruments are all ready. They're there at the Temple Institute, ready to go and ready to be used in, in the worship at the temple. So this is fascinating to me. It's so fascinating because of all the signs given for the coming of Christ and the, the rapture of the church, the tribulation that's going to come, and Yeshua, Hamashiach, the Lord Jesus, our Messiah, returning and reigning in Jerusalem, everything is pointing to, listen, folks, we're in, we're in these days. The Jews are back in the land, and um, Israel's a nation again, and the drive to build the temple, it, it, it is here. So let's move on. Next question. When will the temple be built? Will it be built next week? Wow, next week. Wow, you're a little aggressive there. Well, this is going to be interesting. And what that means is, you also want to know is, well, when's the rapture going to take place? Uh, tell me the actual day and hour and that sort of thing. I'm not going to get there. But I do want to show you this from Daniel, right? This from Daniel chapter 9. But in the middle of the week, he, that would be the Antichrist, 
shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. All right, so you follow that. There's a seven-year tribulation period. At the three-and-a-half-year mark, the Antichrist brings an end to, to sacrifice and offering. That, that lets us know there's going to be animal sacrifice. And this is going to get really interesting here in a minute. Now, let me show you this, and I find this interesting, too. And I want you to know this. I do not believe Donald Trump is the Antichrist. I really don't. He doesn't fit. People have said, yeah, he is. He's, he's arrogant and prideful. That's pretty much as far as the comparisons of the Antichrist go. I mean, when you look at the Antichrist, he's extremely charismatic. People are falling in love with him. I don't know if you've seen the news reports on Trump. They're not in love with the guy, all right? So, I mean, there's a lot of things that just do, do not fit. Okay. Trump may present peace plan even if Palestinians won't negotiate. Okay. So, this is significant because Donald Trump has authorized the moving of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, recognizing Jerusalem as the eternal capital of the Jews. You've, if you've been here on Sunday nights, you've heard this from me before. Jerusalem, I know because I read my Bible, is God's eternal capital. And the eternal capital of the Jews. He gave it to the Jews, right? People can fight over it. The Palestinians can argue about it. What's interesting, Trump has got Arab nations on his side who want to see a peace plan. They are done with the Palestinian Authority. They're done with Mahmoud Abbas. Um, Mahmoud Abbas and the Palestinians have had, because of Trump and, and Nikki Haley announced it. Man, Nikki Haley is one bold woman, isn't she? She rocks. So she goes before the UN and she says, this money's being cut off, and, and it was cut off. And it was specifically cut off the aid to the so-called so refugees. Palestinian refugees. If you find out the truth on that, that's a whole nother story. They're, they're just pawns used by the Palestinian Authority. Okay, so you have that. So this aid is cut off, millions of, millions of dollars. And so the Palestinian Authority bosses their president and says, all the people, all the poor refugees are now going to suffer, they're going to die from hunger. At the same time, the Palestinian Authority gave Abbas a brand new plane for $50 million. So that just happened, just like the other day, I guess. The only thing is, you're going, oh, this is wild. But what's happened is Iran is a much bigger problem, or Iran is a much bigger problem over there in that area, and, and they're tired of dealing with the Palestinian issues, not wanting peace, and Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, all know Iran is a huge problem. And uh, they understand that what Trump is doing with Iran and Syria and Russia, he's not pro-Russia, is what's necessary. So they're, they're supporting Trump, at least in the, in, behind the scenes. Some of the things they say outside, not so, but you start reading what's behind the scenes. The new leader coming up in Saudi Arabia, let me tell you, is a young man. I think he's 32 years old, 31 years old. He is bold, and he's charismatic. He might be the Antichrist. I don't know. But uh, you look, you go, wow, he's an interesting man. Him and Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law, are like, they're just getting along great. It's really fascinating to watch all of these things develop. So anyways, uh, Trump, like him or not, he is moving forward. Pretty much what he says he's going to do, he does. And people, and uh, whether you like it or not, like I said, I'm looking at this. I know there's a peace plan in it. I've read uh, about parts of it in offers to the Palestinians. And if this is true, it wouldn't surprise me that there's going to be a peace plan going forward the Arab nations are going to agree with it. Uh, the United States is going to agree with it. The UN will not agree with it. The um, European Union won't agree with it. 
The, the mainstream media in the United States won't agree with it, but it appears these Arab nations will and so forth. Okay, now here's, here's the thing to understand. I, I do not believe Donald Trump is the Antichrist, but notice what the Antichrist does. He, verse 27, he will confirm a covenant with many for one week. That word confirm means make strong. It means there's already a covenant in place. The covenant, it appears, that Trump is making is different than the peace covenants of the past, of the Bushes and Jimmy Carter and uh, Clinton and Obama administration, different than all of them. It appears to be different. And, but what the Antichrist does, there's a peace plan in effect. He's going to make it work. He's going to come along at a later date and make the peace plan work. What is included in the peace plan? Well, I believe that, that uh, there's a good possibility that it includes uh, giving the ability to the Jews to be able to build a temple on the area of the Temple Mount. I'll get into that in just a, another minute, too. For the first three and a half years, things are going to seem rather rosy for Israel, according to Isaiah 14. Am I giving you guys too much info? Okay, according to Isaiah chapter 14, this is a Super Bowl night, right? So this is a Super Bowl here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, the Jewish leaders at the time the Antichrist is on the scene, they enter into an agreement with the Antichrist to avoid a scourge that is coming your way, their way. Apparently something happens on this planet that just causes this global entity to arise and wars starting to break out in a crushing some kind of crushing blow against people who, what I believe, are against whatever global government that's coming. But there's a, a catastrophic event that takes place. And so a scourge is coming against the Jews, Isaiah 14, and the way to avoid the scourge coming against them is by entering into an agreement with shul, is what the Bible says, death. It's a false covenant. And they do it to avoid the pain. So the first three and a half years of this covenant seems to be peaceful for Jerusalem. But at the end of the three and a half years, the covenant is broken, animal sacrifice ends, and everything gets really, really uh, bad in the second half as the Antichrist goes to kill the Jews, right? Matthew 24, Jesus said it this way. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, aha, uh -huh. what's that talking about? The holy of holies in the temple area, standing in the holy place. And then the Bible says, whoever reads, let him understand. Daniel chapter 9, that's what's going on there. Or the last passage, right? Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Okay, so abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, right? Following all that? If the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place, or the Holy of Holies, then there must be a Holy of Holies for it to stand in. And there can't be a Holy of Holies without the temple. So the temple must be built sometime between now and we know the uh, second half of the tribulation period. 
And I believe that the temple could be built at any time. Who knows? Part of the plan of Trump may be, you know what? We're going to give the Jews the opportunity to build the temple. It might not work for a while. The Antichrist will come along later and confirm it. But uh, listen to this. This is going to knock your socks off if you don't already know about it. So follow with me. Damon Duck, prophecy writer, uh, put, these wor- put these thoughts together, which are so helpful for, uh, just to, for all of us. In 2001... He writes, Israel decided to build an underground high-speed railroad from its Ben-Gurion International Airport to downtown Jerusalem. That's the train picture I showed you a few minutes ago. I said, we're going to get there, right? In 2016, Israel decided that many travelers will want to visit the Temple Mount when the temple is rebuilt. For that reason, Israel made plans to extend the railroad to the Temple Mount, build a station, build 27,000 new hotel rooms by 2026. That's six years away to finish all the hotel rooms, right? Um, at two people per room, that's uh, way more than 50,000 people a day given the opportunity to visit the Temple Mount and the new temple is the thought. That's 50,000 a day more than go there now. You'll see, you know there's a lot of people that go there now. I, I mean, I go to that area every time I get a chance. I mean, how could you not go there when you're in Jerusalem? You guys ready for this? In May of 2017, President Trump became the first sitting president of the United States to visit the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. On December 6, you remember this, 2017, he recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Then, get this, on December 26, 2017, Israel's transportation minister said that the railroad will be called the King David Railroad because King David announced, uh, because King David was the first to establish Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. He did that when David uh, captured Jerusalem from the Jebusites about 1000 BC, right? So the King David Railroad, and here it is. Um, and it was also announced that the train station in Jerusalem will be named the Donald J. Trump Station. Now, this is fascinating. This is absolutely fascinating. Okay, now it gets gets more interesting. You ready for this? January 15, 2018, so just a few weeks ago, it was reported that Israel's high-speed train and the Donald J. Trump train station, all right, both the train from Ben-Gurion Airport to Jerusalem and the train station, Donald J. Trump train station, are to be complete just in time for... This Passover, March 30, 2018. That's like seven weeks away. March 30 is the same night that we're doing our Seder dinner here. I'm looking at this going, this is crazy, but but in America, it takes forever to build anything. In Israel, they're saying, Donald Trump did this, hey, let's make a train station called, we'd be going through red tape for 73 years. Or does this person even have a right to exist? You know, you got to, you know, gets better. A spokesman for the United Temple Movement suggested that there is a need to add a second train with at least some cattle cars to transport animals for the animal sacrifices. So, I, I mean, I, I, I told you there's things that are just... Um, unbelievable that are happening and folks are happening really fast 
They're happening really fast. So anyways, move on. We've got to wrap this up. I did promise you a short message. What is the location of the coming temple? It's right there. <laughs> right, so here, here we go. So let's, let's point out some things. Will you guys give me a few more minutes? I know I said I was going to go short, but I started getting all excited and just started talking. Is that okay? All right. So, Super Bowl Sunday. Here we go. This here, oh, no, don't tell me it's not working again. No. You know, it's just going to have to work good enough. Okay, this here, can you see that? That is the Al-Aqsa Mosque, right, Yossi? That's the Al-Aqsa Mosque right there. That's the gold dome. Uh, these are the southern steps. The Mount Olives is over here. All right, so you're looking from the Mount Olives, what Yossi was saying earlier, across the Kidron Valley. Here's the eastern gate. Here's the dome. Yossi was saying that there are those that believe the temple will be built over here, 100 meters north of this. There is a, a, a gazebo called the Dome of the Tablets or Dome of the Spirits by both Jews and Muslims. Dome of the Spirits, then Holy Spirit. Dome of the Tablets, Ten Commandments. See, so now Asher Kaufman did a, some work with Don Stewart, believe it or not, some 35, 40 years ago. And they both came to the conclusion that is where the Holy of Holies is, just north of the Gold Dome. Um, is that exactly where it is? My friend Yossi thinks so. But you know me, I don't always agree with everybody. But uh, So here's a close-up of the Gold Dome. But, it, but um, I believe it's quite possible that it could be where the Gold Dome is for various reasons. Thank you. All right, you ready for this? Okay. The Al-Aqsa Mosque, this is in a, a book called The Temple Mount by the late Rabbi Shmolo, Shlomo Gorin. said the Al-Aqsa Mosque was built by a Muslim house of prayer outside the boundaries of the original Temple Mount, and therefore it points southward towards Mecca. And at the request of the Jews, Omar built the Dome of the Rock Sanctuary, the Gold Dome, to serve as a house of prayer for the Jews. This was after Jews showed him the site where the holy temple had stood. And it does not point to Mecca. He's saying the gold dome doesn't, right? So the purpose was a temple. Now this goes on and he quotes another one. At least one ancient source, the Byzantine historian Theophanes, wrote contemporaneously with the time of Omar in Jerusalem that the Dome of the Rock was Omar's attempt to rebuild the temple for the Jews, the whole purpose of, of the gold dome. So you start looking at this. You have historians. I've been there many times. Yossi's been there more than me. I believe it comes down to one of two places. It's right there underneath the gold dome, or it is, as I've also looked at both, and I think they both have a lot going for them, um, the, where the, the gazebo is 100 meters north of the gold dome, where you have the gazebo, the Dome of the Tablets, the, the Dome of the Spirits. What's interesting is in 2 Samuel chapter, or at the end of 2 Samuel, David buys the threshing floor from Aruna, and, it's, and it's there, when I look at it, the threshing floor, there'll be a rock up there at the top of Mount Moriah. Um, that's what that mount is. 
Um, Harry came along and made it flat so we could build the, the uh, retaining wall around it. Um, so it's either there uh, underneath the gold dome. If it's underneath the gold dome, it's going to be quite an interesting task to put a temple there. But underneath the temple mount, you'll see you've been there. There's a model of the temple with the gold dome there. My friend Amir showed me, and he took the model, and it's already designed to fit right there. As Yossi said, a wall built, the temple fitting right there. There's the gold dome over here. Here's the temple here. The Jews are able to worship there. But it is fascinating. I want to show you this, too, because I get a lot of people ask me this question. Um, they say, well, they've heard and they've read that the temple is not going to be on the temple mount itself. Again, the temple mount's a big area. So again, it's either here, right underneath there, and this will be the Holy of Holies, or it's just over here where the, just 100 meters north of that, right? But you have this, and, and a lot of uh, people now have been reading people, uh, authors have said, no, the temple isn't even up here, it would be down here where the city of David is, all right? I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way. I'm going to show you why there's no way, all right? Look at this right here, right there. That is the current picture. What you're looking at is, see, hopefully, it'll, there we go. This is the city of David right here, all right? This is the Temple Mount area, Kidron Valley, uh, Mount of Olives over here. You guys following it? Okay. In the time of David, See that? Now you can see the similarities, right? City of David, right? In fact, this is really cool. When you go to Jerusalem, you get to visit the city of David. They are discovering everything. David's palace. You, you go to a room where some scholars, some archaeologists say it's quite possible that this is the place where David and Bathsheba met in this particular room. You walk in there, this is unbelievable. But you have, this is the city of David, Right? See how low it is? Can you tell the elevation? Okay, now here, City of David today, right? Temple Mount today. Um, this, is an, this is the model in, in Jerusalem. It's the model of Jerusalem in Jerusalem, uh, believed to be the, what Jews say, this is what it looked like in the days of Jesus. City to, So people come to me, the reason I want to show you this, people come to me a lot, and I know some of you have read them, you've seen videos on them, and you said, no, the temple was not up there above on the Temple Mount. They'll say it's down there in the city of David, so the Jews will be able to build their temple down there in the city of David. I say there is no way it could possibly be that way. And I'll tell you why. Here's a real simple reason. There's no way David would put his palace above the temple of God. I mean, David wasn't that stupid. There's no way he would have done that. That temple of God where David buys the the threshing floor from Aruna, where Solomon would come along and build the temple, it would have been above his home. Could you imagine a man after God's own heart saying, sorry, God, you're beneath me? I mean, David sinned. That ain't going to happen. But not only that, I, I want you to just consider this, and then we're moving to the last question. Um, I want you to consider this is, uh, why is the Temple Mount such a big deal to the whole world? It's simple. It's spiritual. Satan knows where the temple was. Satan knows where Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to come back and rule and reign. Which takes us, actually, two more questions. Sorry. Take this. Uh, who controls the temple mount? Did I already deal with that one? Um, I tell you what, I'm going to move on from this. Sorry. Uh, what's happening with 
the Temple Mount today, all right? This goes to the spiritual battle. Um, there's a UN branch known as UNESCO, United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, all right? So UNESCO was created more than a half a century ago with the mission to build a, a message of peace in the minds of men, but it seems to be a message of peace unless you are Israel. Okay. So UNESCO is a single step away from declaring the Temple Mount an exclusively Muslim site with no link to Jewish history. All right, now that's changed with Donald Trump. I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing's changed because of Trump. Uh, you still have the UN that agrees with UNESCO, the European Union, uh, the Palestinian Authority, and the mainstream media in the United States of America, uh, which you, you should expect. But um, the reason the Temple Mount is, has the attention, and nobody really cares about the city of David. The Muslims don't care about the city of David. If the Muslims knew the city of David was a problem for the temple, guess what they'd be doing? You cannot be digging there. They'd have UNESCO and everybody else out there. UNESCO, if they are to become successful, which I do not believe they will be because of the things the Bible tells us, it would mean that they've eliminated all Jewish right to not just the Wailing Wall, but the entire Jewish quarter inside the old city. If you've been to Jerusalem, you know how big of a deal this whole thing is. So I look at this and I just say, there's no way. It's a spiritual battle. Uh, the Bible's very clear that um, Satan knows that if he can eliminate the Jewish people, then God's, he makes God a liar. And the Messiah does not have the Jewish people to return to and to rule and reign in Jerusalem and establish his kingdom forever and ever and ever. Last question, what role will the temple play in the future of the world? Uh, in, the, in the very near future, it's going to play the role, I believe, quite likely part of the peace plan that's going to come to Jerusalem. Um, it could be one that we start to see develop real soon, confirmed by the Antichrist sometime, whenever that may be. And, uh, but ultimately, the Antichrist is going to go and sit, and he's going to claim that he is God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, demand to be worshipped as God. Uh, we also know from Revelation chapter 13, um, everybody's got to worship him and receive the mark of the beast or they can't buy or sell. And at that time, we also know from Revelation chapter 12, the Antichrist is going to start his, the greatest holocaust in the history of the Jewish people at that point when he sits in the temple demanding to be worshipped as God, the abomination that causes the desolation where Jesus said, you better flee from Judea because when that happens, it is going to be a very bad time. But I see all of these things, I see these things develop, things we're looking at tonight, and I do know this. Jesus also said in Luke chapter 21, when you see these things begin to take place, look up for your redemption draws near. And I say, Amen. I think Jesus is coming soon, but if he's not, we're still hopeful. I was doing the TV thing with Mike McIntosh the other day, and I told him, I said, Mike, in 1988, you preached and you said Jesus is coming soon, and you led me to believe, in it was a conference, that he's coming in 1988. He didn't say he didn't give date or anything like that. And I said, you want to know what's something? Every, every year, Mike, since 1988, I have thought, 
maybe it's this year, maybe it's this year, maybe it's this year. And I look at these things and I say, it's got to be this year. I mean, I'm looking at everything going, we live in, we live in exciting times. So with that, look up and lift up your head for your redemption draws near. Lord, we